Hello and welcome to the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. And I'm Albert Imperato. Where we help men communicate and build empathy. Season two of the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Standard and Strange, where the clothes and the people are anything but ordinary, and the motto is own fewer, better things. All right, Albert, we have uh, a little brainchild of yours coming up here for a special episode. I'm uh, excited how it's going to go. We're, we're trying this out here today, but uh, why don't you give us a little intro on, on what we're up to? Okay. First of all, I want to just say uh, the most important thing that happened this weekend was that you came <laughs> and visited me. Yes, I, it was, was great. That was only the second time I've been live in your actual presence. Is very uh, true. Like, you're like one of my closest friends now, and it's all been Zoomed, the whole thing, for a, lo- a long time. Yeah. So just sitting when we were sitting at the pa- on the patio at the table, like like watching you snarf like pizza as fast as you said you snarf pizza, <laughs> oh, I yeah. was like, like he's real. Like I, I I almost felt like I was in the presence of like it was like a mixture of like a celebrity, a ghost, and just like maybe I just dropped acid. I couldn't quite. It was so surreal having a friend right here that I've been talking through Zoom every frigging weekend. Yeah, it was a trip. Um, I mean. There is just uh, so much not happening right now that I'm just like I need to go and see my friends. You know that it's a it's a big deal for me to to see my friends like at least once a year. You know the ones that are far away. So just being able to to hang out with you and Matt and just see you was awesome and just kick it like we just had like a regular day and you got to see this uh, big goofy guy in person. Oh just <laughs> it, was, it was it was really fun. I mean the whole autumn. Uh, Autumnal stroll through the country was very mm-hmm. special, and uh, it was good. You got that we, your pond backed. That's the big yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah, we do. And uh, yeah, no, it was it was really beautiful. And just to give a little background before we uh, we haven't even come up with a name for this segment or this type of show, but uh, it's actually not my brainchild. I was starting to one person uh, wrote uh, to us a direct message and said, "Have you guys thought of doing it the show every other week?" And I was like, is that because you want like one half the pain? Like, what is it? What, the, what do you mean less? You want, yeah. you're supposed to call, you know, write to us and tell us you want more. Uh, and he said, no, 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 it's so rich. The content is so rich. And sometimes I listen twice. I was like, holy shit. Um, anyway, uh, it would be better to have some space in between so we could digest them. Did you ever think of having people come on to talk about the guests who've been on? And I was like, you know what? That sounds great. Um, actually, it was Chris Reese was one of the persons who then seconded this. He's uh, Mr. Weese is his uh, Instagram Man. Instagram uh, handle. And he wrote to me afterwards and, and said something similar. And then a third person suggested something like it. And I was like, oh, my God, it's like a landslide, like, like the election that's going to happen. Votes are in, yeah. The guy we <laughs> want to win. Uh, anyway, so that was it. They, 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 the, the people were saying that. And I thought, okay, that sounds awesome. So we'll invite a couple of our... A couple of people volunteered immediately because they liked the first two episodes of season two. And then they both proceeded to tell me they were not available. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what show they're doing, but they're not available. Uh, But we have two of our very favorite people uh, joining us. We'll have a third possibly. Uh, I'll let you just say it's not going to be the official long bio, but they're previous guests. And uh, you'll introduce them and and then we're going to just talk a little bit. Yeah, so today we have uh, Neil from Standard and Strange returning on as a, uh, I guess we're calling the panelists on the roundtable. I don't know, that's our, our uh, go-to name. And then uh, one of our first guests, Mike Loria, um, hanging out inside. So welcome, guys, uh, to this roundtable, kind of just uh, digesting, discussing um, all about you know our first kind of two episodes of season two. So thank you guys for being such an integral part of season one. Uh, we're so so happy to have you on and to chat and catch up. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we were just kind of going into it, um, just chatting about it. Um, but, yeah, how do we want to do this? We just want to open up. We have some questions. Yeah, or- uh, our, fir- our first guest actually was, was Boo Ray, uh, mm-hmm. the musician. And that w- Chris really had a strong – Chris Reese had a really strong reaction to that show. And um, I- I'm just thinking back. I've actually quoted one of the things – and maybe maybe it's just like it's just common to a lot of people, but his little his little menu of staying keeping on track. Uh, I quoted that to a couple of friends, and that that's really sticking with me. You know, the four things if you if you could check these four boxes, you're totally fine. 
So like you're freaking out and, uh, you know, are you sober? Sometimes I am. Uh, yeah. uh, yes. Right now I am sober. So that gets a check. Um, is there a roof over my head? Check box number two. Um, have I eaten today? And do I have enough food today? And that's check box number three. And uh, number four, have I had meaningful uh, interaction, communication with another human being? And we've already done that with you guys right here already. We're starting to check that box. So basically, wow, that's a really good uh, checklist because, you know, there's a lot of noise and confusion. And we do these little short little uh, memory things, these little bits that we hold on to really do matter. They're part of positive habits of mind, saying things. It's, uh, it's part of the meditation uh, routine, right? You say the same thing and you think the same thing and you let the same things go. Uh, anyway, I'm glad that Boo shared that with us. I'm just wondering if anybody else had a similar reaction to that particular thing. Yeah, I did. Uh, definitely. Um, uh, actually, I listened again to Boo's episode uh, today. And um, it's funny because the I, I think what he said was the first the first, uh, the first one on that list was the most important for him. But it was actually the last one on the list that, was, that hit me the most. Um, and there are more connections. It's much more intertwined with what he said in his episode, but, but basically for me, um, you know, my, uh, I'll say addiction, but I don't want to use that word kind of lightly, but my addiction is disconnecting from, from people, uh, when things get tough, when things get a lot, I, I kind of go within myself. So, uh, I, I tend to forget do I I, that I have a person to communicate with and I don't always do that. Um, and it's funny because we talk about all the things like I'm a teacher and I'm so extroverted in the classroom, but like, I'm so within myself, uh, when I'm at home. So that, that point really got me because, um, you know, I'm blessed to live with my wife and, you know, I have someone to communicate with, but I don't always remember that I have that there, that I can do that. And I should. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The wife is a a great one to, to turn to, um, just to, to talk and just, have someone there just to hear you out and also who's someone on your side too. It's not like your wife is trying to, you know, kick you when you're down. Um, you know, she's always trying to lift you up. Uh, for me, it was just really a great way, um, to just be aware of, of how you're feeling, how you're doing right in this present moment. It's like, okay, checklist. I go through this right now and I stop what I'm doing. It's like, stop, listen to the body, listen to the head, you know, listen to, to what I know around me. And, you know, really just make a good decision. And, you know, a, a lot of checklists happen um, for a bunch of other decisions too. Uh, I don't know if you guys have read the the book, uh, The Checklist Manifesto by Atwal Gwande, but it's, it's a cool, just like really interesting um, book on just literally checklists. And um, I, I found it really interesting about like how it's supposed to be and like how a good checklist is made. Um, and one of the first rules of, you know, making a good checklist is keeping it simple four questions right here, right now. It's very simple, um, but it tells you a ton of information about yourself right then and there. It discovers a lot of information. So that was like the the real big powerful part that I picked on was just short, sweet, but it it really packs a punch. So it can tell you, tell you what's up. Neil? I love checklists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love them. I've used, I use them a lot. I'm mainly at work. Uh, that's where I learned them was working in the radiation business. We would have checklists for damn near everything we did because we just had a long list of complicated steps you had to do in a certain order. And if you fucked it up, something horrible would happen. <laughs> so now I use them in a very low stakes way of like, you know, turn on the lights, count the cash in the cash register, etc. cetera. Um, I thought Boo's episode... And Bruce's episode really nested together very well, where Booze was sort of getting through a crisis or difficult times in your life at a sort of very narrow perspective, looking very close at it. And Bruce's was zoomed out, a very macro perspective on it. But one of the things that really kind of like stuck with me about Booze is he said that he had to stop fighting to be right. Mm-hmm. Right. Once he stopped doing that, then he was sort of able to take a step back and really sort of 
become open and vulnerable to receiving help and guidance from other people. And that was like one of the bigger themes that I took away from it was this cycle of understanding and accepting others so that you can then understand and accept yourself. And those two feed on each other. Right. And, you know, like Bruce said, he couldn't have gone through it without the various mentors and people he had with him, you know, guiding him along through his drug and alcohol usage. And that, that just really stuck with me is that remembering that you have a support network, or if you don't have one, it's actually probably pretty easy to find one. There's tons of organizations you can call, um, you know, and in a pandemic, you can just reach out to someone online on Instagram, like Albert did to me one day. <laughs> Dude, you made, you made my day back when you one time texted me and said, let's throw a log on the fire. And I was like, oh my God, that's my friendship metaphor he's using. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And also, I got to say, Neil, it helped me identify some of my friends who haven't brought a, a, a log to the fire the entire time I've known them. And, uh, those, those, some of those relationships are now over. So thank you for giving that invaluable insight. And I do want to say, Mike, I actually called you during the week for uh, one of the reasons was because I, it's very easy to be taken by your humor and your, and your sweetness and your fun attitude when you talk. To, to, to think that you disconnect from people is a little bit counterintuitive to anybody who spends time with you. So I just kind of was reading between the lines here and there and I was like, I got to call Mike more. I don't call Mike enough. So that was, that was definitely part of my, my reasoning. Yeah. And, and that, and that was me like kind of forgetting that support system, forgetting that network that I have and just sort of, again, kind of being addicted to disconnecting. Like that's just, and it's, you know, it can be perceived as a, I don't know, in, in a negative way, it can be perceived as a, I don't want to be friends, but it's truly not that. It's just that I get, I get content with myself, you know, and then, and I kind of lose sight of those people out there, um, which kind of sucks because, you know, like you just said about friendships, people not bringing the log to the fire. I've, I've definitely had friends who I've lost because they're like, well, you know, he doesn't pull his weight. He doesn't, he doesn't reach out to me. And I'm like, it's not because I don't want to. <laughs> you, know, you know what, Mike? Put it, on your, put it on your checklist. Checklist. Yeah. <laughs> Call best yeah. friends. Check. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I have to. Yeah. Neil, I got um, to go back to what you said about stop fighting to be right, because that was my other favorite line. I actually was like, jumping up and down when he said that, because to me, that was, uh, the, if you took that one macro, that's where we are as a country. Uh, that, you know, to hear the political dialogue in this country completely devolve. Actually, this morning, um, the senator from West Virginia, Manchin, I think his name is, he's a Democrat from West Virginia, of all things. He sort of talked a lot about the, the Senate being devised as a place where they put the brakes on, on passion and, and try to, to calm down, stop yelling. That was the idea of the Senate and how deeply disturbed he was that the Senate was just another place where people scream at each other and don't listen to each other. And I mean, anyway, when Boo said that line, and I'm glad, I'm glad you, you mentioned it because it was my, my number two favorite line from the show. Yeah, that, um, I mean, just in the episode, you know, in it like that, that hit me. So I wanted to bring that up again if uh, no one else did because um, that's huge. That was just like an unlock. Like I said, I just kind of, I, I saw another like way of living and like another kind of like light um, kind of after that statement, because it's so true. You can see it so many times in stranger interactions and times with your best friend, especially family interactions. I think that's a, a big one in there. And you know, kind of the, the closer you get, the the more kind of tunnel vision you can have and not really, you know, see it from a different perspective and, you know, some kind of courtesies or just, you know, an overlook might happen. And, you know, you might have a, a rift in a relationship just from, you know, just trying to be right and being able to to stop and recognize again that you can just say, hey, you know, let me just give this one up or just let it go um, just to have a forward progress and just go somewhere different with it. So for me, it's just, it's kind of like a pivot. Um, I would say of just kind of just totally 
checking out a different angle of life. So it, it was a huge, huge thing for me. And, and that's, uh, you know, just, just a valuable lesson to know is just, you, know, you don't always have to, to play in, in the war of re- being right. Yeah, the way he phrased it was just so brilliant. You know, it was simple enough to just say, well, I don't always have to be right, but to use the word war, because that's, that's really what it is. War is, is, is something that's only seeing conflict as a way of dealing with a problem. And, and that is a really bad, uh, there's a funny little ad on TV. They show like a, an elephant and a donkey in a rowboat and they're like not able to row anywhere because they're not rowing together. <laughs> and then they say, we should row together. And then, of course, they start rowing the opposite direction again and go nowhere. Anyway, every time I see that, I'm like, boo. We, we got to get boo down to the Capitol. Like, the, boo could put on the, the we don't have to be, uh, the, the war of right has to end now. Forget all these other wars. Forget the war mm-hmm. on drugs. How about the war to be right all the time? Um, talk about, uh, anyway, uh, let's go back a little bit to uh, the Bruce episode, the Bruce Filer episode. Yeah. Um, I have to admit, that one was spinning my head left and right because that guy's he's been around the block a, l- a couple of times thinking about this subject matter, uh, talking, lecturing. I mean, first of all, in utter awe that any human being can write a number of best-selling books. Um, every I, I just don't think we can possibly ever be more grateful to people who have the wherewithal and the focus to actually take all this foment that we experience as human beings and turn them into books and albums and films. Um, I get all inspired. I feel like I'm so excited. Oh my God, I'm going to write the definitive essay on America in 2020. And then I pour myself a drink and I got my computer out. And then I like 10 minutes later, I was playing Candy Crush. I just felt so, (laughs) so destroyed. Like, you know, James Baldwin wouldn't be playing Candy Crush. Uh, But Bruce, actually one of the episodes, moments in the episode that really lit me up is remember when he told the James Baldwin story, like, mm-hmm. how do you become a good writer? And what did James Baldwin say? What do you need to write? They asked, he asked James Baldwin and uh, he did and Bruce did not but someone in the audience, he yelled in, he said, well, you need a table, you need a chair, <laughs> you need a pen and you need some paper. And that's it. That's how you become a writer. So that's it. You just got to get the job done. You got to do it. You have to do it. But but anyway, that's just my little, uh, my launch pad for Bruce Filer. Any, anybody want to jump in? Yeah, I'll uh, pop in here. Um, that episode was so much fun to edit. I like listened to it twice. Um, it was just a, a great one to, to go back and really dig in. And uh, kind of to your starting point, one thing that grabbed me is he knows uh, aspiring writers that do more aspiring than writing. And that just, you know, that, that one got me and I was just cracking up at that. And, you know, it's just, just like you said, like what, what James Bond said was like, make it happen, like put pen to paper and create, like come out with the finished product. Um, because yeah, you can aspire all day long. You can have the greatest intentions, but at the end of the day, if there's nothing to show for it, you know, what's kind of the point of putting all that effort into it? Um, I, I really think that just kind of knowing the difference in your life to, to be like a hundred percent in or not will really kind of help, help you a little bit. Um, and, and that was just a silly little line, you know, it's a little joke there that kind of just showed me like, Hey, like, you know, if you really care about something, if you really truly want to, to make something happen, um, you, you have to do more of the, the actual product. So in this case, writing than the aspiring. So I, I really enjoyed that little line there. Well, we're going to get really into it in a big way. Um, in our next episode when Michael Chernow, uh, comes on the show and talks about the habits of mind that went into the the things that he's achieved. And that was the message over and over again that he talked to us about was, was about habits. And, and, you know, he would get up early in the morning and, and change his routine and was able to turn that into like businesses and into, into uh, things that he was very successful at. But getting back to Bruce's um, book, I have to say, um, I mean, I, first Neil, Mike, did either one of you guys want to jump in on, on, uh, on the Bruce episode or don't feel, don't feel obligated. Well, Neil looks like he's got his notes there. Um, I, I just wanted to, (laughs) (laughs) mine, mine are off screen. No, I just, I really just wanted to, um, to read the quote you guys posted when you were announcing the episode. Life is the story you tell yourself 
But how you tell that story, are you a hero? Of you still got your jersey on. Believer matters a great deal. How you adapt that story, how you revise, rethink, rewrite your personal narrative, right? Matters even more. I just think that's, I don't even know how to explain how powerful it is. It just, it is. I mean, well, just think of the difference between I'm such a loser and yeah. <laughs> God, I'm a survivor. Right. Well, yeah, I just, I, you know, it makes me think, um, Obviously, I thought about it, but I, you know, it makes me think: why, why are some people afraid to tell their story and have them be the warrior? Why are they afraid? Why are they saying I'm the loser? You know, what's that fear? Is is it of that vulnerability? You know, kind of bring it full circle here. That's why we're here. Um, you know, and what can we do? What can what? How can we? How can we get that person to tell the story and have them be a, a different character or, or be a different? You know. What was what was so great about about the episode is the also I mean the story changes um, most often because we we act as an agent in changing it we actually mm. you know he kept saying you know the pandemic was an involuntary life quake he uses that word life quake in the book and that and the it was the involuntary one everybody's life got shaken up but he made the point that we emerge from it in our own way and at our own time. And that's when, when each of us decides um, we want to move to the next phase. Um, it, we, we, you know, wh whatever, whatever triggers that thing, it's still a very, it's, it's, a, it's a personal moment that we have. Um, Neil, you did have some notes. And we also have Evan joined us. I'm sure he just finished a like 90-mile bike ride in an hour. Uh, but anyway, did you have a good day there? Were you on a bike, Evan? Confess. I was on a bike. It was, it was not 90 miles. He's still in his bike clothes. Yay! I still have my jersey on. Yeah, I literally just walked in. It was not 90. It was 75. <laughs> All right, dude. Oh, that is just so awesome. Just totally love it. We're talking about episode two. Awesome. If you want to go refer back to episode one for Boo Ray, we'll let you do that. So we'll let you get used to it. If you need some water, you poor thing, <laughs> get some water. Um, I can tell you still have helmet head. Uh, yeah, I mean, I awesome. just, yeah, literally. Uh, <laughs> Neil, uh, we're going we're gonna to let, <laughs> let Neil go next. Neil. Yeah. Um. I mean, what, you know, what Bruce said is that, you know, you have a life quake event and that can be voluntary or involuntary, but what comes after the life quake is a transition and the transitions are always voluntary. And that got me thinking about times in my life where I have maybe not a life quake, but something a little bit sort of lower stakes than that, where I chose not to transition and like move forward with it. And sort of where, where that got me or where it didn't get me. And so that sort of like put things in perspective about kind of like raising the stakes for, you know, we've got these sort of series of life quakes that we're in right now. And it gave me some motivation to really figure out what that transition looks like for myself, you know, and that. What also stuck with me is that, you know, is what he noticed in his research is that people, as they're navigating their life quakes and the transitions that come after that, that also happens in a nonlinear way, right? They like, it's not just, you know, you continually make progress. You go from like 0% to 10% and so on. Like there's, there's a back and forth with it. It's a jagged line, but hopefully the overall trend, if you zoom out, is that that line slowly goes up, Right. Um, and then the other thing that really stuck with me is that he said that like a, the reason why life quakes can be so powerful is that they create a meaning vacuum where our sort of world gets turned upside down and we're not sure, you know, what's important to us. Like that, that, that whole concept changes significantly and we have to create and find new meanings and new habits and how we navigate forward through that, you know? And another big part of that was like, is about, again, like the support network and the relationships you have. And one of the best ways for you to sort of have that be effective is that vulnerability is that sort of foundation that builds the trust in those relationships. And if you can be vulnerable with yourself and vulnerable with other people, then you're in a much better place to really sort of navigate picking up the pieces and moving forward. And Boo said this as well, too. That's a, a really strong, you know, just emphasis and, and, 
and your life changing because you know booze went from you know a, a very you know swing on on the far left side and then you know a very hard swing to the to the right side you know he had a he had a full full turnaround and you know Bruce kind of saw every other aspect of it he he noticed you know very minor things in people's lives very major things and very catastrophic things so he saw you know just such a wide variety of it that he was able to kind of you know pick in and choose and kind of explain a little bit different versions and, and how people like generally felt and and how they kind of went through it and by being able just to categorize some of that and um give some like you know vocabulary to it where it's like the disruptors of you know positive and negative in your life um again the the life quake the tremors um and just all of these kind of parts in our life that we can say hey um I, i'm in this section oh i had a disruptor of you know uh a pet that that died, you know, or something like that, because um, that just recently happened to uh, <laughs> my my buddy's nephew. Uh, fortunately, a snake died, so they're they're getting another one. But just I was just like, hey, like that's a life disruptor. They were on the phone. Uh, he's like, I don't know how to break this to my son. You know, I, I went into the room and the snake was dead. Everything was fine a day ago. You know, sister calling brother, like, what's what's going on here? And you know, it's like, hey, whenever you break the news have me on FaceTime and we'll all talk about it together. Cause Matt had a, you know, snake as a pet too. So um, just really just being able to kind of like recognize these different sections, because it is kind of like, you know, although there's different variables, um, some type of progression through, you know, each part. Uh, so just being able to, to see that full circle and, and kind of recognize where you're at. Cause for me, it's like, I'm in a disruptor right now. I need to buy a house. I, you know, I have a, a lot of things going on and I'm trying to make them not stack on top of each other to just give me a full-blown life quake. It's more like I am taking some very positive, slow changes um, one by one uh, and trying to be mindful that I don't let it all go. So um, a long-winded way of saying I really like the vocabulary and I like the the way he sectioned it out um, so that it, it can really be more aware and, and more easier to digest for people rather than my life is gone or <laughs> like my life's upside down. Well, Adam, I want to, uh, another funny phrase from the <laughs> conversations when he described our intergenerational relationship. Yeah. And I, realized, <laughs> I think I'm having an intergenerational relationship with all of you guys. Cause I'm always the oldest in any group <laughs> of, of Instagram people. I want to talk a little bit about that stack up that you talked about uh, of the, of, of quakes uh, but because it's been a really big moment and you and I have hinted at it, talking to each other about a little bit of an epiphany that I had, mm -hmm. uh, a big epiphany. It's been about three weeks since the, the big E, but anyway, before I do that, let's go to the other big E, Evan, uh, yeah. do you want to chime in here, Mr. E? Give us a little E, um, yeah, Boo Ray, uh, Bruce Filer. Um, yeah, whatever you want to jump in on, dude. Um, I mean, I'll just kind of leapfrog off of what you guys just talked about. And, you know, the, the biggest thing for me that kind of smacked me in the face when I was listening to Bruce's podcast was he started talking about the shoulds. And there's these shoulds in your life where people have this idea that you're supposed to be at a certain place in your life at a certain time. And obviously that's a kind of a generational thing. And, you know, the older generations have, are a little more strict as far as their shoulds. Um, and that one kind of hit me because we're in a place that sounds like maybe similar to Adam in that we're like house hunting right now. And, you know, we're in our mid thirties and we've been hardworking and, you know, diligent about saving money and, you know, prepping for a house, but we're still in terms of that should, you know, we have a kid, we're supposed to be in a house already. And it should happen. It should have happened years ago, you know, according to some people. And so that, that should thing really kind of triggered me in a way. Cause it's like, yes, the should <laughs> is like my, my nightmare right now. <laughs> but did, oh, it, did it left, did it leave you off the hook? That was like did the it get biggest you the aspect hook? of, you know, the podcast that stuck out to me besides, you know, quakes and everything else that's relevant to 99.9% .9 of the population right now was <laughs> this, this should that 
you know, he talked about and he only mentioned it, but it really, really stuck with me. And I couldn't get it out of my head. I was like, yes, the shoulds. Like that is just thing that grinds my gears, you know, <laughs> did, did, did he, but, but did it get you off the hook? Did it, was it like, like, Hey, now I don't have to like uh, be on my own, uh, be on my own case here. I'm not going to talk about should, did it release you in some way or did you, did it underline it even more? Um, I would say it, you're I would to- say it released me a little bit just because you know there is like that I guess family pressure and whatnot and you're like oh maybe like maybe we should have been in a house by now or maybe we should have been doing this by now and at the end of the day it's like everyone's pace is their own and there's no right or wrong answer to to where you are in life I mean you hear about people that go back to college when they're 40 or 50 years old or something like that. It's like, you should have had a degree when you were 22. That's not true necessarily. Like everybody's different. And so I think it was just a really good reminder that we are all living our own story and it's all at a different pace. And our chapters are all in completely different order compared to someone else's. Uh, And it's important to remember that when you are you know, going through life in general is you, you've got your own story built up in your head, but that's not necessarily how it's going to work out. And it's definitely not the story that other people have written for you either necessarily. Yeah. That point is great. I, I love how you brought that up. Um, Cause as soon as you said like social pressures and same thing, like a house, like I have a family, I should have a house. But is that really like our society? Like, do, like, do any of you four other guys really believe that we should have houses right now? It's like, no, like, you know, you know us, you know what we're all going through. But it's that kind of like shame that we have to deal with as like some golden family or the, is it the American dream or is it just the way things are? Um all, part, all of, part of it's practical too, though, right? You just yeah. you need more space and you want room for the kids. So it's not just the, the pressure, but the pressure is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, we feel social pressure on every front. It's you know I've been reading two books besides Bruce's book. The book other book I was reading was this book called Cast, and I mean it. She takes it to the micro level and just says you are being ground down from day one by the very very strong. They're almost genetic by now. Um, ideas that are are put into your body by the 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 way we've lived as a culture for the entire time we've been in a nation and reading that at the same time that I read the Bruce book and talking to you guys and and doing this podcast um, you know there, there's the fear of the too many life quakes but there's the other side to the too many life quakes at once like if you don't collapse from it if you don't com- go into the fetal position adam <laughs> um you actually something different can happen is that you actually can get so much tremor that you actually get loosened from where you were stuck and i have to say that the last couple of months uh especially the last couple of weeks i felt like the life quakes finally um they coalesced in a way that really freed me and i i literally i i I feel like i went from noise in my brain to zero noise in my brain since i had that revelation and it was it was because everything was happening at once everything was happening at once i had work pressure that got released finally figured out how to save a lot of money and go out of business less uh quickly (laughs) we're not going out of business yay um Anyway, and being in the country for six months now, straight, no ambulances, no city sounds, no uh, jostling in crowded elevators, um, doing this show week after week, um, talking to you guys, uh, you know, uh, has really affirmed in me that communicating with cool dudes, cool straight dudes even, oh my God. <laughs> Uh, is actually possible. Um, so that's that, that's been a big part of it. And then just a little bit of wisdom. Uh, our, our buddy Joe, uh, Opie, our, our Opie Whiskers is his handle. One day when I was kind of relating to him a little bit of all this, and I had had direct messages with Evan, and, and Neil and I were talking um, about the same things. And, and Joe just said to me, dude, it's all, a, uh, everything you've described is a race with no finish line. 
And the fact that he said no finish line to me, and he didn't say it's not a race you can't win. There's not even a finish line. It's not a race. You've made it a race. And the race is uh, something of my habit and my family and my memories and my, the way that I've gone about my life. But my race was trying to be perfect. You know, I'm just like, I got to be the perfect son because we had all this shit in my family. So I'll be a perfect son. And then I'm going to be a perfect businessman. So I could employ lots of people and make everybody happy. And then I'm going to be a perfect this and a perfect and a perfect husband. And I'm going to be a perfect friend to the point where if, you know, I didn't hear back from Evan, uh, it's because I thought I said something that offended him. And you know, <laughs> I'm, why don't I lose a night's sleep over that? Or Mike doesn't call me. I don't know that he actually doesn't call any of his friends, but I'm taking it personally. Or Neil <laughs> usually loves me so much. And it's been a whole day and I haven't heard back. From, anyway, the bottom line is that literally I could go to bed sometimes with this feeling of unease, this feeling of noise that was coming from this two things expectation, ridiculous expectation. Other people were doing nothing that really had me in mind. And if they were doing something that had me, me in mind, what does that even matter? If someone didn't call me back because they don't like something about me, well, then that's maybe their loss or maybe they'll be, you know, human, human being and mature enough later to tell me what the hell I did instead of ghosting me. Or a client doesn't say thank you. Well, maybe a client just thinks I pay you. You don't need my thanks. Anyway, I woke up one that morning without the noise. And I just said, I, no more should. Go back to the word Evan used before. There's no more should. Uh, if, the, if and when and should, all these words that we, that we uh, put out there to define how we're going to react to where we're at in life. Once again, it's a, it's a, it's a race with no finish line. You can never go to bed with the entire electronic device at peace because you're going to get hit with Twitter, bad news mm -hmm. about, the, about, about the election. You're going to get hit with something or other that's going to unbalance you. So basically, if it's on this phone, it's not allowed to have any impact on my state of mind. It's been working. Like I start going there and I'm like, oh, that's on the phone. Sorry. Sorry. The phone goes down. So anyway, that's my short story version of a longer story. And I thank you guys, the show, everything, the life quake. I thank the pandemic. I, like, I thank whatever. I thank everything for giving me a couple of moments. And maybe you guys have had no noise in your heads your whole life, but I like it. It's been really fun to have a lot less noise in my brain. So anyway, that's my story. <laughs> I know Evan and I never have noise. Uh, I mean, always have noise rather. It's like, there's, there's a kid. There's, <laughs> there's a xylophone. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but there's a xylophone <laughs> being played in the background right now. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a happy noise. That's a good noise. <laughs> I mean, mine was like a, a low level sort of. She's getting pretty good at it. Yeah. She's getting pretty good uh, at it. She's, she hits pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you think, Mr. Neil? <laughs> Was there like work noise and just like personal life noise and then like done noise? And uh, I mean, I've had ever since I've had my own business, I've just had just low level background drum of anxiety <laughs> and the feeling of doom. Yes. Doom is just around <laughs> the corner. <laughs> like that's just what it is having your own business <laughs> like I can't count how many times where I was just like well shit if it, we would have like a bad week or even a bad day or a bad couple days and I would just convince myself that well if this keeps it up like we're just done in two months that's it we can't handle it and I really sort of let my fears and my anxieties sort of get the best of me and I was trying to reduce something that was so complex, like it's kind of impossible to even wrap your head around and understand it. You know, <laughs> the consumer economy <laughs> and predicting it. Um, I was trying to reduce it to something simple that I could wrap my head around and I did it in a very wrong way. Uh, but sort of, I guess, eight years of having that sort of being able to deal with <laughs> impending doom around the corner <laughs> got me somewhat better prepared for the pandemic and everything else. I mean, I've been stressing quite a bit about what's going to happen with the election, um, both 
in terms of like what that will mean for everyone, for you guys, uh, for the people sort of, you know, in my life, and then also for myself, my business, et cetera. And there's only, you know, I kind of realized, well, there's only so much I can do. Um, but a big part of that is like doing voter outreach and getting people to vote. Cause it's really kind of what this is about is voter participation. You know, we had 56% of people vote in the 2016 election that could vote. It's abysmal. <laughs> you know, there's other countries where voting is compulsory. You have to vote. Uh, and they, a lot of them have very strong democracies. It's not because of that, but it's certainly a contributing factor. Um, so, yeah, it's tough to get that noise out of your head. Uh, meditation really helps with that for me. Um, and, you know, like this week I did a terribly dumb thing and broke my collarbone. I fell off my motorcycle doing something dumb. <laughs> I'm lucky that it was just a collarbone and some road rash, but uh, that really sort of forced me to slow down, which I've actually really been enjoying. Now I have to plan my moves when I'm yeah. getting dressed in the morning, <laughs> right? <laughs> like everything, everything just got a lot slower. And I've noticed as a result, like I'm not checking my phone as much. Um, I'm paying more attention to myself, what my body's doing, mainly because if I move my arm in the wrong way, it hurts like hell, but I got to pay attention to what did that. <laughs> so I don't do it again. Um, but just sort of, I guess, slowing down and meditating more and really trying to be grateful and more sort of just aware of my immediate environment and what, like, you know, how it affects you. It's, it's something like pretty simple. It's not a very sort of like groundbreaking, you know, uh, discovery I've made, <laughs> something I've known all along. But uh, it just reminds me that there's like all these sort of tools I have in this little toolbox of things I do to navigate life. And there's a ton of them that are just sitting there collecting dust. <laughs> and that's my own damn fault. Yeah, like you were saying, you, you've been like walking a little bit more and just... And, and, yeah. I've been walking more. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. great. Uh, you know, I've walked around my neighborhood hundreds of times, but every time I do it, I notice something new. I hope the skies are clearer. Are you guys a little bit better in the smoke front out there? We've had good air quality for about a week, and it looks like that's going to stick that's great. Uh, for another few days. We've all been worried uh, about you guys, good. <laughs> you West Coast. Yeah, the week, the week of uh, Pumpkin Spice Bay Area was not good. <laughs> it was horrible. It was scary. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible. I just had the image of Evan on his bike in some kind of space helmet. Like, how the hell is he going to do it now? <laughs> <laughs> I did ride indoors for a few days. Oh man, dude, I love when you toss off the bike advice to me. You're like, okay, and then this machine, you'll just have to take the back wheel off. I'm like, take the back <laughs> wheel off? Are you fucking kidding me? Okay. Uh, Mike Loria, mm -hmm. what do you think, Mike? Wanna wanna jump in? I hadn't told you my I hadn't jumped I hadn't told you personally my epiphany story, but anyway, that well, was probably for you. That was a little new. And th there's a lot to unpack there. Um, so you want to talk about noise? I mean, I've struggled with noise in my head for my entire life. I mean, I mean, I've always just been an anxious person about everything. There's always been my own voice in my head about everything. And, you know, as I got older, I learned to cope with it in different ways. Um, you know, I learned that I'm a very routine oriented person. Um, you know, and actually I'm going to kind of take the long route in this story, but I had heard a quote of something that was like, it was probably some stupid meme on Instagram that was like, uh, anxious people watch show TV shows or movies over and over again because they know what happens. Um, and there's no element of surprise there. So they thrive in watching things over and over again. And, and I was like, that's me. That's me. I'm always watching things over and over again because the element of surprise isn't there. And, and, you know, throughout this, this sort of pandemic, this six months, I've, I've realized just how much I rely on routines and how much of a disruptor this has been to my routine. And, um, you know, so I had to get used to a new thing and then, you know, quarantining became a little easy. It's like, all right, just stay home. All right, cool. I don't have to see people. I don't have to, I don't have to worry. I could just stay in my own house. And then, 
uh, as I've talked about before going on the podcast, like, you know, going outside during this has been a bit of a struggle. And then news came that thankfully that I had a, I'm a teacher. So in New York, we've been struggling with, with cuts and layoffs. Um, so I didn't know if I had a job throughout most of the summer. And then I found out midway through August that I did have a job. So I was like, great, cool. Um, I have a job, but, um, oh crap, this means I'm probably going to have to go outside and I'm probably going to have to see people during this when people are still getting infected. So I had, to, you know, my brain didn't stop and it still hasn't stopped. And that's my, that's my anxiety. I just constantly talk to myself about, about a, all this stuff. And the new thing is, you know, how to keep myself safe. And I put that in quotes because I'm probably making a bigger thing I don't want to minimize this virus, but I'm probably making an even bigger thing about it um, than it may really be. Uh, but, you know, that's been my struggle. Um, so, yeah, the noise has the noise got a little quieter, but it's it's back up at full volume again. Um, and and it's, it's great. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is fine. It's, it's, fine. Just, this is fine. Nice. it's the it's the, it's the <laughs> it is that meme with the yes. house on fire and everything's fine. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> um, but actually, as something I I do want to connect this to something Boo said. I think in the very beginning of the episode, where he t- and then later at the end when he talked about his his mentor um, or his sponsor, uh, breaking things down, pairing things down to the smallest moment, um, and that's actually been something that's helped. And then to hear him say it, I was like, sweet, awesome. All right. I guess I'm doing something right. Like to be able to <laughs> pare things down to the smallest segment of time, I've had to, I've had to strip down my routine and rebuild it, you know, even from waking up in the morning in my routine before I walk out the door. And, you know, we talked about the shoulds and, and all this stuff. I, I moved, I moved in the middle of a pandemic. I moved into is a new apartment. It's just down yeah. a couple apartments from my old one. But, you know, having to do that was a stressor. And then, so then going back to work, I was like, oh shit, I'm not in my old apartment. Things aren't in the same place. I mean, that's how, that's how small this is in my head. It's like, oh, my bag is not in the same place. Oh, that's not in the same place. And I have to think about that ahead of time or else, I mean, it's, it's bad. I mean, I got f- high functioning anxiety. So like have, I have to think about that stuff. And when I encounter something that I haven't thought of is when the panic starts to set in. And that ha- that's happened at work because everything is new at work. We've got all these new guidelines according to the state, you know, the, the school is trying to keep us safe, but it's like, Oh, when I would normally teach that now I have a mask on and I'm like, I'm teaching students in my class and I'm teaching hybrid. So students are via zoom as well. So I'm like, Oh, I would normally, my instinct would kick in and do this. I can't do that anymore because that doesn't work for some of the kids that are either here or at home. And like, I've kind of freaked out in front of my class. And then luckily I've been doing this long enough where I can say to my students, like they're high schoolers too. I can say to my students, uh, hey guys, we're going to be winging it a little bit today because everything is new and 2020 and pandemic and they just laugh. But inside I'm like, uh, 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 oh, okay, yeah, right, we're going to get through this and, you know, hope that it works out. So yeah, the it, noise, the noise is still there. Well, <laughs> first of all, your, your humor is clearly a, 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 an advantage and a great uh, characteristic of yours and you should you should turn into the humor i think a lot of comics uh, talk about this you know stand-up comics they talk about like you know how people look at them and think oh they're just laughing their way through everything part of it is just dealing with this the stress the anxiety that they're feeling one thing we can change is you know you could call anytime just pick up the phone text me dude Uh, i i do think i do think talking and just saying things repeatedly helps to de to defang them a little bit. It's like the monster that you're talking about. Like the more you don't talk about the monster, the more uh, the bigger it can appear to be. When it's you know Bruce talked about like the wolf, right? The the, the wolf in the story. Uh, we all have them. I mean, Neil was talking about being the businessman who uh, you know with the noise of impending doom in two weeks. Uh, you know, we were all we're all um, you know wrestling. Uh, wrestling with that to a certain degree and certainly you know you say high functioning uh you know that phrase i mean i I, you know you know you're just talking to your buddies here but by by all means don't allow yourself to suffer too much if it gets to the point where you're just like frig this is really 
making me uh, unhappy and I'm not really, you know, there's fun anxiety and there's not, not so fun anxiety. You know, my, really? my, I, yeah. So <laughs> someone, I haven't so, noticed yet. Point me in the someone, direction of that fun. It, it, it was really, it was interesting. I talked to uh, Ken, you know, Ken's Chucks, our, our friend in Australia. And he said, when I told him my epiphany story, he said, Albert, you're one of those people who came very close to probably needing like professional help uh, to deal with the stresses that you were feeling. He said, you, you managed through this shakeup to deal with something that was maybe building into something that would have, you know, just required an extra level of, of, you know, whatever. I, it just, the, the, the disruption has been helpful to me. I mean, Mike, I'm in a tiny apartment in Manhattan having room at the house has changed my, my, my feeling. Um, I mean, being, being in a tight space, uh, alone, being in an apartment could be pretty rough. I mean, a lot of times when I was freaking out, I just wore, I walked outside and it really helped me. So and, anyway. And, and, and actually I'm, that's funny you bring that up because my wife working from home or having to work from home, we've joked that, you know, there are probably a lot of couples out there fighting because they have to spend so much time with each other, right? Divorce rates are going up, but all kidding aside, we we've actually grown closer. Uh, and Adam, you said this in the beginning of the episode, like, yeah, Liz appreciates when, when I talk to her um, and actually her being home has, has been a good, one of the good things because she's always there. I know that sounds weird, but she's always there. To, and, and it's in a way of like, when I'm, when I'm going through something, when I'm feeling something, I can't be, alone. Like I said, I'm addicted to disconnecting. I can't disconnect because she's right there. She's always there. And, and we might've moved, but it's not much bigger of a place. So she's still right there. Um, and, and she kind of gets in my face and she's like, tell me what's going on. Tell me what's going on. So kind of forcing me to talk about it is, has actually helped. Well, I just want to say at some time in the future, if you just want to say, I want to come on and drill down further into what triggers what the triggers are because that was really what was happening to me i was like what are my triggers and i started listing these five or six things and um they were a lot a lot of them were crystal clear when i actually said to myself that's what i'm trying to do i'm going to find the triggers i swear to god the analogy i could use is i felt like a gas leak and i finally found the valves and i just had to actually commit myself to finding the valves and, and shutting them you know, and in a certain way, I didn't even have to turn the valve. They kind of shut just my knowing that they, they, they had a source, they had an actual source. So anyway, we don't want to, we don't want to jam that in here when you weren't necessarily prepared to talk about all that, but that's why we're here. And if you want to come ever and, and drill down more and, and talk about the triggers more and try to figure it out, because it just might've been like your uncle Sam hitting you with that paper clip in the neck when you were a kid and you just didn't, you <laughs> forgot all about it. Evan, you're smiling. Did you want to jump in on this oh, one? Yeah. I mean, I've had <laughs> a little bit different experience, I guess, than, uh, than Michael has in terms of just the pandemic is, it hasn't really impacted our life in terms of our daily goings on. Like both my wife and I have, continue to go to work. We're not working from home. We have essential businesses. So we don't have that cabin fever that I think a lot of people really feel um, really strongly right now. Uh, our daughter still, thankfully, her daycare was <clears throat> open the entire time, which made it a lot easier for us to like carry on our daily lives to, you know, a certain extent. Um, but even just like, for example, in the last week, you know, just having it be so smoky outside and, you know, you're, you're basically stuck inside all day and you're like, it's not even really safe to be outside for a long period of time because it's so unhealthy to breathe the air. <laughs> you get, I mean, it's like, you don't really realize how bad you just need to like get out and breathe clean air and get a little bit of vitamin D until it's been a couple days of not doing it. And all of a sudden you're like, man, I am just not at homeostasis at all right now. And I need to like leave the house, even though I have no reason to, because it's just, you know, I'm kind of in this weird headspace and I like am more irritable or I'm more anxious or I'm more stressed out about things that I shouldn't be any of those things about. Um, 
And so that's kind of been like my most recent, you know, living situation with the fires. And it's, it's a, it's a really weird time because everyone's walking around wearing masks because of COVID. And now everyone's walking around wearing masks too, because they can't breathe the air because it's toxic. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of a, a funky situation to be in right now. I don't think there's too many more things 2020 could throw at us. Don't tempt it. Don't tempt it, Evan. I know. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost like a little desensitized to all this like craziness just because we've had so much thrown at us. So it's like things on fire, you know, going outside. Yeah. It's like, What's next, you know? <laughs> I know, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like, with a group of my friends the other day, we're like, remember back in January when, like, we almost had, like, nuclear war with the Middle East and, then, like, Australia was on fire? Remember how we thought that was just so bad? And now no one remembers that happened because it's, like, so far down the totem of, you know, terrible things that happened in the last nine months. It's incredible. What? <laughs> I think it's going to be good at building a lot of resilience though, yeah. you know, because if we can handle this and stay <laughs> relatively upright and, and sober, you know, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like we're, we're living through this crazy time in history that knock on wood, we don't get this many curveballs all thrown at us at the same time, but it is pretty wild to be, you know, a part of these goings on that is well i think one of the, sure. the important things to remember is it's just very easy to be freaked out by so many things that are going on but actually one of the things that i'm really freaked out about in a good way is just how beautiful beautifully so many people are managing things i'm always amazed when i go out and i'm walking around the supermarket and i just say to, to people how are you doing very few people actually you know i know it's a polite thing but most people say I'm doing okay. And when I, when I direct message buddies around the world, you know, everybody's miserable, but, but somehow everybody feels like they need, they need to say things are okay. And I, I think what Neil said is really true. I think we are building our res- resiliency. And maybe another one of the other things that's coming out of this is remembering uh, our interconnectedness and that, that the number one thing is, you know, if we have each other's back and we look after each other, we're, we're probably going to be able to be a lot stronger and get through a lot more. Uh, and that, that's been a really big, wonderful aspect of, of getting to know you guys and, and uh, working on the podcast. And, you know, I, I, I feel really, really, really lucky. You know, Adam and I started this before COVID hit. I mean, we had no idea knowing what was coming. It was just November. But my God, I, I think I would really be just a little kookier if I didn't have this to look forward to once a week. Um, I, speaking of season two, I do want to, while we have him here, I want to say a special thank you to Neil uh, for the support that Standard and Strange is giving to the show. Um, it's just, you know, I woke up Saturday morning and Neil had, had posted something so beautiful about the podcast. And I was just like, it just made me feel like a million bucks and it made me just feel so excited thinking about the, the connections and the relationships that we're developing. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Neil, so much. Yes. Thank you so much, man. That is incredible. And we're really happy just to, to have your support and know that it's there because it's, it's really amazing. You know, when someone truly supports you and gets it, it's, it's great. So thank you so much. I do uh, want to go down the row. I mean, Neil, if you want to say something, you can, but yeah. maybe you're the cat. <laughs> I was going to say you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. I mean, um, <laughs> it's just something I want to be a part of. I'm happy to do kind of anything to help it because I think it's well, incredibly well, important. It's really, it's one thing to think it's important, but then to take action the way that you do, that's what I yeah. so admire about you. you. You talk about things and then the next day Thanks. you do them. And I, I'm not just saying about the podcast, but my God, every time you tell me something just in a conversation, then you do it at the, at the store and the feed. And I'm like, this dude, this dude delivers. Um, I want to give everybody one last chance if they want to say one more thing. Uh, I'll just tell you our, our uh, next guest um, on our show when we return with a deep dive is uh, a, a fellow named Michael Chernow, uh, who's a restaurateur. He's opened like 16 restaurants. He just won, uh, he's in his 30s, I guess. Uh, he just won some bodybuilding competition. You go to his feed and you're just like, uh-oh, he's one of those dudes who just can do anything. And he's so 
successful. And I have to admit, you just want to say, I can't stand this, this guy. And then you start talking to him and you're like, oh shit, he's got an amazing story. Uh, really just gave us a great uh, chat. It turns out he's my new neighbor up here in Columbia County in the Hudson Valley. So you're going to enjoy, uh, I think, really get a lot too. He's, he's got some good lists too. He's got a couple of really good uh, short little memorable things, but I'm going to end it all by, uh, uh, well, that's a little dramatic. I'm not going to end it all. But <laughs> I'm going to end the show by asking um, just each of you, if there's anything more you want to say, and we'll slide all the way down the, uh, I'm seeing you all on Zoom here. We'll slide down the thing down to Adam, who will then say so long for us, then we'll sign off with our usual, say your names at the end. So anybody want to jump in for final thought, word, sentence? Uh, I mean, I'm sure I'll start, I guess. It's just a really great thing to be a part of and have the privilege of being a part of. And it's something that I hope people can glean some inspiration or hope or relation to. Uh, I think a lot of people don't really have a place where they feel like they can go to relate to some of the feelings that they have, you know, and so to be able to have a podcast and something they can listen to that's relatable for people that are, you know, like everybody else in the world that have struggles and that have, you know, gone through those quakes and don't really know how to handle them or don't really know, you know, the next step to take after they've experienced a quake. Um, it's just a really positive, beneficial thing to have, especially in the current climate that we are all living in right now. Definitely, man. Definitely. <laughs> See Mike up in the top. Uh, well, I always, I just want to say that every time I've been on the, the show, um, I know I've learned something or it's helped me. Um, I know you guys get mess Adam and Albert, you get messages all the time about how someone has listened and it's helped them. And, and, you know, I always hope that by talking, someone will take, a little bit of what I say or what anyone says and it'll help them. But, but I, it's also helped me and, you know, Albert, I appreciate, you know, every time you invite me on or just telling me, Oh, if you ever want to talk to dive into your anxiety a little more, let's talk it out. Um, because it, it's, it's so true. Um, you know, every little bit and I it helps and I always take something with me from these, these shows that I've been on and, and the ones that I've listened to. So, you know, I always just want to say, thank you. Just, that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. It's been really similar for me too. being on the show. I mean, sharing my stories and my experiences has been therapeutic for me in a way where it helps me make more sense of it, put it into a bigger context. Um, talking through struggles I'm going through is a way that I help make sense of it for myself too. But that works for things that, you know, happened a long time ago too. Um, but I do want to say thanks to you, Albert and Adam, for everything that you're doing. I think the podcast is fantastic. It's incredibly relevant. It was relevant in November. It's even more relevant now. <laughs> um, and you guys are doing some really great work. You've got some fantastic people on the podcast, too. I mean, good Lord, Bruce Filer, <laughs> you know? Um, but but yeah. it's, it's just nice to show that... Uh, yeah. Was, Everyone's human. Everyone goes through some heavy shit. Horrendously heavy shit. It's part of like the universal trajectory, right? <laughs> is uh, we all go through heavy shit. But the, the other common thread is that everyone who's made it through it has had multiple people helping them get through it. And they're people who have been through shit. It's like this sort of a uh, cascading like rope of just intertwined experiences of shit. It's the shit rope. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <Shit> rope. <laughs> yeah, it's that that the bond of those strands of shit rope. I don't know what rope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I will never look at it. I will never look in the toilet the same. Way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh shit! <laughs> yes, well, <laughs> shit rope classic already. <laughs> but <laughs> just being a part of this, and even just seeing like the evolution of our show from our first chats to 
you know, our early guests, our mid-season guests, our, our continual guests, you know, wh- how we've all come along and how we've all kind of changed. Um, it, it just makes me feel that it's not just me a lot of the times. Cause I know I've had a lot, a, a lot of like Neil said, just a lot of shit just happened to me. And, you know, it, we're all going through this. We're all in different parts of the world right now, the East coast, West coast, you know, represented here. So it's coast to coast on part of this country. Um, we're all going through similar things. We're all having hardships, but the thing that we're doing here is being open and honest about it and really getting help because we're asking for it. We're saying, Hey, you know, this is pretty much impossible to do on your own right now. You know, it's like, I really, really feel bad for single people and people without, you know, a huge friend network. Um, because it's so hard, like this is just so much to deal with. And the fact that we're here together talking about it and just building empathy and building, you know, relationships and friendships just means so much. And the fact that we can take it from here and continue to grow it and continue to learn and look back, like, you know, we're in a, we're in a really good place. And I think our transition from this time, you know, the more we talk about it, the more we really, really get down to it, we're going to have a better time in, in the future because we're, we're going forward with it and we're really executing. So um, thank you to you guys. And we just got to stay in it and make the best decisions as we go. So thank you for being a part of this journey with us. So yeah, we're going to, uh, we're going to stick with, hopefully stick with this format and uh, maybe you'll be back in a couple of weeks or in a month, but we're going to reach out to you. you guys are the first panel, the first dudes of the round table. I don't know. We got to come up with some pithy phrase, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I'll just say one more time. You, uh, thank you. I just can't even believe like what a beautiful bunch of guys you are. I mean, I'm just like looking at the zoom thinking you're all so different. You are all so colorful. You are all so funny. And the best part of it that you could, is that when I met each one of you, I had no idea. I could have never guessed all the abundance underneath. Like each one of you is just like a beautiful, incredible creature. Like the more I, the more I know you guys, the more I like what you guys are all about. So there we go. <laughs> um, all right. We're going to sign off, right, Adam? Yeah. So this has been another episode of the Fear, Bonner Billis Fear podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. I'm Albert Imperato. I'm Neil Barrett. I'm Mike Loria. I'm Evan Blanchin. Thank you for listening.